How you doing, Arizona Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the Arizona Podcast. I'm your host, Dax. Javi and I are excited to bring you another episode and a new guest. We're bringing on uh, Little George this week. Little George, introduce yourself, man. Hey, uh, this is LG, and uh, I just, uh, I'm here, and I love the program, and so looking forward to it. I've been patiently waiting for a track that's slowed on. You stun if you own in your ass and get rolled on. It feels like my flow's been hot for so long. Talk, 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 talk. Loud and proud with it. The Lord's blessings leave me lyrically inclined. Work your technique right here. Work your technique right here. Flawless technique. Flawless technique. There you go. I ain't even got to try to shine. We're going to practice today like we don't know nobody out here. Guards and seamstress that tailor fitted my pain. Oh, yeah. I see it, eh? I see the swivel in the hips today, eh? They about to feel it today, eh? I got scriptures in my brain. I can spit at your dame straight out the good book. Look. You got to get your hands on him. Dish raggy. Finish the play. 50 feet, no man, warrior. Sweet swords like Conan. Nice. There it is. There it is. Awesome. Glad to have you. Remember, everybody, we are on iTunes, Google Play, uh, YouTube. Uh, remember the uh, Echo Romeo Alpha podcast. Uh, when you enter your search, remember to follow uh, Gabe and Cenas at Gabe underscore Cenas, Brandon Combs at U of A Bear Down 07, and Javi at playersprogramu.com. LG, do you have a Twitter handle you use? Actually, I don't. Uh, I don't have a Twitter handle, believe it or not. I try to follow a lot of people um, as far as keeping up with people, but I don't actually have a Twitter handle myself. No worries. No worries. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast Zona. This is on Facebook at the Arizona Podcast, and email the podcast at Arizona Podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email, tweet, Facebook, post any comments or questions. Finally, be sure to visit at Players Program. U.com and azdsrecruitingweebly.com for all the latest on Arizona football. Remember, we have our eliminator pools and our um, over-under pool going on at playersprogramu.com. Javi, uh, I uh, sent you an updated version of the eliminator pool. We've we've thinned the pack quite a bit. Um, any uh, thoughts on how that's going the inaugural season? Okay. Uh, it looks like people are dropping like flies. Um, everybody's having a lot of fun with the eliminator pool. Um, I'll have to check, uh, who's left. Uh, but it looks like about half, uh, half of the, uh, people that were, that joined are now out. And this week, majority of the, of the, uh, players left are picking Oregon state. So yeah, I think, we'll this is your, I think this is your one week to get Oregon State in with them playing Cal Poly, so uh, completely understandable. Well, let's jump right into it. Arizona rolls uh, NAU. Uh, I think that was completely expected. I don't think we need to belabor the sort of play-by-play breakdown that we typically have after a football game uh, because of the opponent. i just like to make a general um, construct before I throw it over to ULG. I've watched this... Um, program play NAU every other year for for many years and um for instance I've referenced the year that Nick Nick Foles final season when Bryson Bernie beat ASU uh up in Tempe that team really struggled to put NAU away this team had absolutely no problem putting NAU away and in fact they were cycling in um you know true freshmen on the defensive line as early as the second quarter so I wasn't as disconcerned by the total points given up by the defense given the circumstances 
And I made that point that the ultimate objective was to get a a rep time for Grant Gannell, which was um, quite well accomplished. What was your big uh, takeaways from the game against NEULG? Well, I got uh, several things. I I know a lot of people posted a lot of negative things out there and I've been, I've been pretty critical of of the staff myself, but uh, the NAU game, really, you got to take into context of the first half only. And over the course of a game, uh, when you get into the fourth quarter and you're up a lot, you usually sub a lot of people out. Arizona had five running backs in the first half, two quarterbacks in the first half, uh, a lot of different players on the field. Uh, Like you said, true freshman on the D line, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't nearly what some people made it out to be going back and looking at the game a second time. It wasn't nearly as, uh, nearly as bad as the, the score of, Oh, we gave up 40 points plus to NAU. We're not going to stop anybody. Um, that said, they, they really take it where it comes from. I think a lot of it is the fact that we couldn't stop Hawaii. And, uh, so they're seeing it as, Oh, now we can't stop. We can't stop NAU. And so we're actually not probably as bad as we look as far as our defensive rating goes because we're we're obviously one of the worst defenses in the uh, Division One as far as giving up points. So it's uh, it's not that bad. We're, we're not that bad. Um, I, the second half was just a wash. It was just because the time was there and we had to play. And it gave a lot of players up opportunity to play and what was your thirty-five thousand foot take on the game i totally agree i mean uh we came uh we came out and we did what we needed to do uh we scored a record amount of points in the first half uh nine touchdowns total and the offense looked good we got uh grant gunnell some playing time um tate looked good and I think, I mean, I think we just coasted near in, there in the second half. Uh, I mean, there were some backups in and out. And I really don't look, uh, don't make us as big a deal as other people are as far as how much NAU scored on us. So I, I thought that we, um, we did what we needed to do, you know, and, and I took, uh, I took a lot away from the game as far as um, I think we can definitely, uh, be Texas Tech and and we'll definitely be scoring some points. It's just a matter of if we can we can uh, play defense and and hold them off. Yeah, I think to your guys' point, we scored early and often. We were up twenty one seven in the first quarter. Uh, Cunningham uh, taught, caught a forty seven yard pass from Tate. Uh, JJ Taylor had a twenty five yard run, and then Gary Brentwell had that really nice ninety four yard run where he broke the tackle uh, from our own six yard line and came all the way down the sideline to score. Um, uh, NAU came back and scored uh, on a late first quarter drive, but came right back and scored again um, with uh, Tate hitting uh, Peterson uh, uh, on a nice pass for eight yards. And then subsequently in the second quarter, uh, we racked up 30 points with uh, Tate running it in, uh, Cunningham catching another one, um, uh, Dixon catching a pass, and then uh, that safety we scored on that botch punt by NAU. And then uh, Goodell, Grant Goodell comes in um, and leads a very nice, uh, you know, um, uh, drive with uh, Drew Dixon for a touchdown um, and then hits that nice 75-yard pass uh, to Thomas Reed, um, which was real, real nice um, work from Grant Goodell. How would you guys 
Uh, Javi, how would you rate uh, Grant Gannell's uh, inaugural appearance at, in Arizona? Um, <clears throat> I thought that it, I thought that it was the perfect coming out party for him. I mean, uh, he only had two passes that weren't perfect, um, and even even out of those two passes, the receiver still caught the bad pass. And I mean, his passes just look they look great. And I think uh, I don't think Tate's has to worry about his job or anything like that, but. Uh, we definitely got, uh, you know, where who, he's going to be next up next year. And I think that the future looks bright for us with him. LG, what was your assessment of Grant Canellan as a, in his first appearance? I think, I think pretty much right on with Javi's experience there. Uh, you know, he, he looked good. He just looked good. Uh, I, I think there's a reason the team wants to redshirt him. I, I think if anything, anything possible happens, uh, to where he can, where Tate stays healthy all year, um, I I do think we redshirt him. I think we keep him in four games or left less, um, and I think this was just a great opportunity to give him those first snaps. So that's what we did. Uh, I, I I do I do think the team knows that he's our future. Uh, one of the big things is he is a he's got, he's just a great quarterback. But if you look at one thing, you could tell in there he could use a little more strength. He needs that strength. He's got the height. He doesn't really have that build. The staff is not ready for him to be number one unless he has to be if Tate goes down. I think otherwise he will he will he will redshirt. I just don't see him wasting a year of eligibility uh, coming into the off the bench all year unless unless something happens to Tate. So yeah, really? we've kind of we've touched on those depth issues, whether it be something like let's say Tate has an an ankle and he's going to be out for a series, where maybe the little little R comes out and sustains for a series. But if Tate goes down with some sort of season-ending injury at that point, I think the Gunnell era starts. Um, and so the context is very specific. To your point, I think they're certainly going to try to redshirt him, but would love to give him as many of the four games under the new redshirt rule as possible. Um, However, um, I, I don't know that they're going to have that many opportunities. There's just not, you know, unless we get out ahead of, say, Oregon State, or um, there's just not going to be a lot of opportunities for this. So, so this was an ideal time to get him in early in the game, and like I said, orchestrate two drives uh, in the first half, and then um, you know Grant Goodell ended up with a final line of nine of eleven for 151 yards and three touchdowns. Cleel Tate, uh, 14 of 17 for 138 yards and two touchdowns. Both of them were executing the offense with, you know, high efficiency, good tempo, and uh, to your point, LG, until the second half when things really kind of got, um, you know, I think it's fair to say the team sort of let up, and, and there were so many people cycling in and cycling out. Um, really got a little bit less efficient, less effective. And, and as you noted in the first hot half, the pop was, was definitely there with people like JJ Taylor averaging 10 point yards per carry, 10 carries, 104 yards, uh, and a touchdown. Gary Brightwell had five carries for 143 yards for a 28.2 average. And Darius Smith, um, in some cleanup duty had a 10.5 average and Nathan Tilford averaged 6.7 with Wiley averaging 4.3 on his nine carries. So everybody was executing with high efficiency. The receiver numbers were reflective of um, the efficiency from the quarterbacks with you know Jalen Johnson, Jamari Joyner, Thomas Reed, Darius Smith, Castile, Cunningham, Peterson, Barry Hill, and Dixon all uh, recording um, receptions. I think overall it was what you would hope uh, with the possible exception of 
the defensive substitutes dominating NAU. But again, I agree with both of you. I, I think that's a little bit much ado uh, about nothing. Let's go ahead and move on to our 12-pack. Oh, what is the malted liquor? What gets you drunk or quicker? What comes in bottles or in cans? Beer. Can't get enough of it. Beer. How we really love it. Beer. Makes me think I'm a man. Beer. I could kiss and hug it, beer. but I'd rather chug it. Beer. Got my belly out to here. Beer. I could not refuse it. I could really use a beer. 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 Review uh, for week one and talk about the picks we had for last week. Um, let's start with ASU. It is absolutely amazing to me how much you can do on the Internet these days. Before Instagram, you had to take your brunch door to door to find out if your friends liked it. <laughs> but the Internet can be a dangerous place, like those 10 simple ways to lose belly fat. It's possible that the 10th way is murder. <laughs> For instance, <laughs> there are a lot of online colleges out there, but you got to be careful because as wise as it seems to get a college degree the same way you order shoes. Some online universities are actually a scam. The New York Times reports on fake diplomas sold for cash by a company in Pakistan. The business name, AYAK claims to be Pakistan's largest software exporter. The records reportedly show its main business is selling fake academic degrees on the internet. That's right, the Pakistani company X-Act was selling fake college diplomas, which explains where Bin Laden got his degree in women's studies. <laughs> apparently, apparently the company duped potential students by building sleek websites for schools with authoritative sounding names like Barclay, Columbiana, and Mount Lincoln. What? Mount Lincoln is fake? Then where did my parents send my dog Barkley? I should have known he wasn't qualified for college. He got a 12 on his ACTs. Act, act. Even set up a school named, and this is true, Nixon University. Popular majors include paranoia, enemy listing, and jowl management. And degrees. Degrees from Axe Act aren't exactly cheap. They're charging over $4,000 for a doctoral degree. That's not right. You can't buy a doctorate. You have to earn it by telling jokes to the graduates. And Axe Act wasn't just overcharging people for fake degrees. They also had agents impersonate American officials who bullied customers into buying certificates signed by Secretary of State John Kerry, proving once again that you have to actively threaten someone to have them want John Kerry's autograph. <laughs> Luckily, Pakistani authorities arrested the Axe Act CEO, charging him with illegal money transfers, forgery, and fraud. No doubt he'll represent himself in court. I hear he's got like 20 law degrees. <laughs> well, I for one, I'm glad they caught the guy. Charging people hundreds of thousands of dollars for fake degrees is appalling. I believe the fake college should be free. That's why I've set up my own network of completely free diploma generators, offering degrees from such prestigious institutions as Prancetown, <laughs> Notre Dame, Mount Holy Smokes, Stanford and Son, Skidmark, John's Hot Pants, Dartface, and Arizona State. Just go. Just 
Just go to ColbertLateShow.com, click the school of your choice, and then take your final exam, which consists of scrolling down the entire page and reading the word print. Congratulations, you've now received both your PhD and your PDF. They played the Sacramento State. Is that right? CSUS? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So um, there was um, this game, ASU was favored by 36 with an over under of 63.5. We both uh, took uh, CSUS and the under. ASU really struggled in this game. They only scored 19 points, Um, but their defense uh, held. CSUS to seven points um, and the under hit for both of us. So it was real gratifying to pick both those games. Um, I, I watched this game on Friday night. Um, the offense just looked like it was in complete disarray. Uh, were either of you gentlemen able to catch much of the game? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I definitely caught the game. Um, and uh, of course, um, on the website, everybody was in the chat room saying how ASU was down. Uh, and I knew it was a matter of time before. Uh, they came back, but they didn't look good at all. And all I could think the whole time was that if Arizona was playing Sacramento State, everybody would be freaking out and all over Twitter and, and going off on uh, firing everybody. So um, it was an ugly win. And, and I mean, they definitely uh, didn't get close to covering the spread or the over-under. Over so it was definitely just an eye-opener as far as uh, them coming back down to earth from, from their first uh win in the, of the season so how about you lg i didn't actually catch the game a whole lot of it just a little bit and i kind of follow the stats and i i think it's uh they're kind of typical of a lot of the early season games uh that's been played this year you know we look at uh, uh from a coaching standpoint uh these players you know just even a few years back they used to play a lot of co- full contact working up to the season and nowadays they limit it to what three they yeah they have a little contact but as far as actual scrimmage type contact they have what three three events three days where they really really pound the ball hard ball camp and that's it and so we're we get into the games um you know the old adage of you you play like you practice and you practice like you play and we're not we're not we're seeing this across the uh, whole spectrum of d1 ball where teams just don't look like they're ready to play the first week or two or first couple weeks of the season and i think it goes back to that we're, we're playing so soft in practice to avoid the injury and when we get into the game time i think there's a big adjustment especially with these schools playing so many younger players today uh they just they they have so many little fill in the gaps i can i can even remember back when we started the season ranked so high and went to penn state uh wow <laughs> eye opener what people didn't remember is that we lost our entire starting line and it takes so long to gel as an offensive line and i think we we saw that in our games with uh, uh hawaii and northern arizona Northern Arizona, we got a lot of it worked out in the first half, but then when we started shuffling players, we still had that same issue. And I think ASU is not any different. They replaced a couple of linemen, and I think it just takes a little time for everybody to get everything under the belt. Um, So if you take the first couple of games as full contact practices, then ASU's had, what, five really good 
scrimmage type situations in the in this year so far. And you you see you see the the little turnovers, the little missteps, the missed blocks, misreads. You're seeing a lot more of that because we're not getting we're not practicing heavy prior to the season starting, so everybody seems to be starting off a little late, especially teams that are playing a lot of new players in critical positions. Yeah, I think you made a good point, and Javi and I covered this in the preseason, or Gabe and I covered this in the preseason previews. You know, they they have they had a lot of good talent on the offensive line, but not a lot of depth. They ended up having an injury at center, so they're now they're starting a true freshman at center. They've had to move, you know, their former center over to left tackle because they're replacing their left tackle, and all those moving pieces. Uh, a new right guard, I think, has really put them. Um, in a difficult situation, they've got a true uh, freshman quarterback. He's going to have his own set of, um, you know, growing pains. And they lose a first-round uh, wide receiver that really carried them in, in several games last year. I'd argue they wouldn't have had a chance to win the USC game without uh, Harry last year. Uh, you know, Benjamin, for all of his accomplishments, um, has um, is going to have teams stack in the box. And uh, the fact that CSUS was able to basically shut down ASU's running game uh, was pretty impressive. Let's move on to the Utes, uh, the number 13 at the time, Utah Utes, hosting NIU. They were a 21.5 point, 21 point um they're giving up 21.5 points with an over-under 43. NIU scored 17 points. Utah had 35, so Utah did not cover. Um, and they did hit the over, which was uh, pretty surprising. Um, I, for whatever reason, took a flyer and picked the over on that game, but both Javi and I had uh, Utah. In, in retrospect, when I was looking at the picks, I'm surprised I didn't pick the under given it was Utah. Um, I personally didn't see uh, much of this game. Um, but I felt like the stat line on Hundley was very Hundley-esque. And watching Zach Moss run this year, he's going to be an absolute beast, um, and that continued to be the case in this game. Uh, any thoughts on the Utah game, gentlemen? How about you, LG? Why don't you jump off? Yeah. Uh, well, they had Utah had their – you know, they're, they're really a more of a defensive-minded team. Um, they're not the team that – you would think of coming out and scoring 67 and 70 points a game, no matter who they're playing. That said, Northern Illinois is not a newcomer to the table. They've had some really good years there where they've given some big teams some fits and um, they have their ups and downs as well. But I I think they just got to, like we talked about, get a few more games under their belt before they really start to gel. Um, you know, we can we can remember what happened when we lost our center just before the season started. Just a couple of years, it it just tears everything up on the offensive line, uh, blocking schemes, reads. Uh, who's the captain on that offensive line? Well, most of the time, most of the time it's that center. But uh, I, I think that uh, anything can happen in any given game, and and that's what happened with ASU. They struggled, but they unlike Arizona, where we struggled with Hawaii, they came out, they did get the win, and that. That's, you know, we think about how bad the struggle was against Hawaii. If Tate there at the 10 yard line cuts to the right, to the outside, rather than into the middle, I think he makes it into the end zone. And I think we tie the game and then it's anybody's game. I think we escape that game and we feel better, even though we looked so bad in many aspects of our game on defense and, and at times on offense. And I think, ASU can feel good about the fact that they came out with a win and uh, 
in a game they really struggled in. And they, they learned a lot in that game, and we'll see how that reflects in on the next week and uh, when, they, when they come out this next week playing Michigan State. So I think a lot of people have Michigan State picked on that, and I think they're favored. They were favored at one point, like by 14 points or something like that. And I, I don't know that Michigan State's going to win by that. They do have the home field advantage. What did you think, Javi? Uh, the Utah defense looked like they uh, they weren't holding very strong, uh, but the offense looked good. I mean, I think that they, I'm not sure if they had any turnovers or not, but uh, Tyler Huntley, he was doing good. And the passing game looked good, and it just—it was just a pretty good uh, offensive performance for them. So it was a typical game for Utah. So let's move on to Colorado. Rocky Mountain High, Rocky Mountain High, They were hosting uh, number twenty-five at the time, Nebraska. Nebraska was giving up four points with an over/under of sixty-four. We both had a lot of confidence in Colorado in this game. Colorado ended up uh, squeaking this one out. They came back from a pretty big deficit. Uh, to pull ahead and eventually uh, win this. Uh, they did hit the over, which we both all suspected. I think uh, Nebraska was pretty overrated coming into this game, um, and Martinez had um, a, quite a, a voluminous game at uh, 16 for 26 with 290 yards and two touchdowns and a pick. Um, but Steven Montez really picked up uh, the Buffaloes at 28 for 41 with 375 yards and two touchdowns. Um, as this game was rolling out and Colorado was coming back and, and, um, and, you know, Nebraska was up seven, nothing, then 10, nothing. And then Colorado came back in the third and scored a touchdown and then outscored him 24, 14 in the fourth, uh, to pull it out with the overtime, uh, win by three points. Uh, you know, I was just kind of sitting there with a, that kind of evil smile on my face because I, th- I think Colorado last year had injuries to LaVisca Chenault, who, by the way, didn't have that great a game against Nebraska, and they still won. And they had a lot of upheaval with their coach. I remember in the game at Arizona Stadium, they were on like their third string running back, and even their number one guy was still trying to come out, and you could just tell he was injured. Montez was running for his life every play. Without arguably the best player in the Pac-12 and Chenault, they went from a 5-0 and team uh, to lose in seven straight. And I-, I think the demise of the Colorado program was um, – was a little bit overrated. And so I'm not really surprised they've bounced back that much this year. Uh, what do you think about the game, uh, Javi, and where Colorado football is right now? Um, I mean, it was a statement game for them. Uh, they, they made a big comeback, and it was one of the best games I've seen in a while. So uh, they're, they're probably going to be the surprise team of the Pac-12, um, and they look they look a lot better than what, what we thought they were going to be. So... That's uh, a pretty big, pretty big win for them. What do you think, LG? I, I think the same thing. I think that uh, I think they're a better team than most people gave them credit for, picking them sixth in the South. And we see that on a regular basis, where we were picked fifth in the South and sixth in the South, and yet we competed under Rich Rod for a couple of years there, where we were actually uh, able to uh, get to the title game once. And I, I think it's a lot of it still goes back to tradition. I think people think, oh, well, USC is brand name and they're a better team and or UCLA is a brand name and you know, they're a better team. Um, UCLA game last year for Arizona was a one-play thing and uh, one play we win the game. and uh, But yet, 
they were picked way above us this year in the preseason. So, you know, you see how that's distorted as far as far as Colorado goes there. Uh, I think they're a better team than people gave them credit for. And I think the Pac-12 South is a little weaker than many people thought it would be as far as that goes as well. Um, so, yeah, I um, I think the Pac-12 South is going to be interesting and we're headed towards uh, USC. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, how that's all going to shape up. Uh, next was San Diego State University at UCLA. UCLA, and I think one of the most laughable lines out of Vegas in a while, was giving up seven and a half points with an over under 45.5. San Diego State comes in and pretty much drubs uh, UCLA um, 23-14. Uh, the under did hit. Um, both of us had a lot of confidence in San Diego State not only winning this on the money line, but really, uh, you know, with seven and a half points in hand, uh, felt like a very solid pick. Um, I picked the under, uh, Javi had the over, and so I managed to nail both those. I think UCLA is in complete disarray at this point. I, I don't have any confidence that Chip Kelly's going to be pulling this nosedive out anytime soon. <laughs> and honestly, since he left Oregon, where he was very innovative, his NFL career was, you know, largely. Uh, disappointing in my opinion and I didn't really think he was the 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 hot catch so to speak when he was hired at UCLA but uh, time certainly will show uh, whether that's accurate or not uh, what do you think about the game Javi and um, you've weighed in on Chip so after you get done with the game LG why don't you tell us what you think about Chip coming back to the Pac-12 and specifically to UCLA okay uh, I, I guess we, I saw it coming from a mile away um, I know uh uh, San Diego State's never beat UCLA before, and uh, you could tell right from the start that they they were just gonna like pound it right down UCLA's throats, and they totally just took them to the woodshed. And I mean, it was kind of fun to watch because uh, you know I always like watching UCLA lose, so it was it was nice. LG, yeah, I, I agree with that. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> Chip Chip was in a different situation when he took the job at Oregon versus where he's at now. Totally different situation. Um, here he has to go just like he did in the NFL. He has to establish himself as the coach. He has to also bring in his assistants that he wants, and then he has to build the program. Um, I I think I think uh, things were already kind of built for him a little bit at uh, Oregon when he uh, took over there versus where he's at now. Um, I do think he's a decent coach. Uh, I don't think he is everything everybody made out to be. I think we're all, uh, or UCLA, like uh, like Arizona, is kind of facing a thing where you get a lot of people calling for the coach's head already. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know I've been critical of some coaches myself. Um, I think that in time he'll build that program, but it's, they're going to have to be patient at UCLA and give him a couple of years. He's going to have to switch a few assistants out. He's going to have to take a more hands-on approach. Um, and I, I, I think he's in a similar boat to what Kevin Sumlin is in the fact that he needs, because he flipped the system, uh, he's changed the system so much there that he's has, he has to give that system time to grow and he has to put the right assistance in place. I, I don't know that either school's got exactly what they want at this point. Um, so I think that they both need to, to 
to work. I think Kevin Sumlin in Arizona are ahead of the curve there uh, when compared to UCLA. I think that Sumlin will have it turned around faster and sooner than Chip Kelly will. Um, Not really worried about the UCLA matchup. I I think that uh, last year losing to them was was, uh, a matter of our own mistakes. And uh, this year I think that we have them at home and and uh, we'll deal with that in a couple weeks, huh? Yes, sir. Um, let's move on to Washington State uh, taking on University of North Colorado. Um, this uh, game didn't have a line, so I won't belabor it much. But I will note that I was watching this game um, uh, on on a split screen in the background, <laughs> and and it wouldn't have caught my eye um, other than after the NAU game. Uh, I was watching this game, and I just thought that the way um, Washington State kind of came out of the gate slow, and it was a little bit of a back and forth early relative to the way Arizona popped, uh, made me think how sometimes the narrative is what people, you know, perception is reality, people, what people want it to believe to be. And I thought if Arizona fans were watching this game with Washington State, the way it kind of evolved, and ultimately it was 59-17, but they, it was slow out of the gate for Washington State. And, you know, it just struck me as funny as if, if Arizona fans were watching this, they'd be losing their minds. Uh, meanwhile, Washington State's, uh, you know, rolling, you know, into a top 25 ranking. And I think, um, you know, has earned every accolade it has. But I won't belabor that point too much other than the stuff we pointed about how Arizona fans perceive things uh, given the, the recent history. Uh, let's move on to the Oregon Ducks. They were ranked number 16 in the nation at the time. Uh, they were hosting Nevada. They were giving up 24 points with an over-under of 61. Both Javi and I had a pretty good feeling Oregon was going to come out hot after uh, blowing that lead at Auburn, and they absolutely smoked uh, Nevada 77-6, to uh, easily covering and uh, obliterating the over. Um, I don't think there's much to glean from that game um, other than Oregon came out mad and lived up to its talent level. Do you guys want to make any comments on that game before we move on? I wasn't surprised. No, not surprised at all. Um, I think the uh, staff at Oregon were pretty, uh, pretty uh, looking at them, pretty much looking at themselves in that loss uh, to Auburn. I think they, they, I think they feel like the, the loss was on them. And uh, I think that they came out uh, mad and it showed, and that's all there was to it. Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. Um, in the Pac 12 game of the week, uh, the Cal Golden Bears were hosted by UW, who was ranked number 14 at the time. The Huskies were given up 13 and a half points with an over under 45. Point five and quite the shocker. Cal uh, pulls this one out twenty nineteen. Um, obviously, UW did not uh, cover, and both uh, Javi and I thought they were going to take care of business despite Cal's uh, recent defensive uh, performances. But the under did hit, uh, given Cal was playing. I'm about this game was on Fox or Fox Sports One, and my DVR didn't record it for some reason. And so I didn't have a chance to watch until it hit the Pac-12 networks on their 60-minute uh, rebroadcast. So I'm in the process of watching it right now. You know, as, and I'm middle of the second quarter. 
the game really started out like you'd expect. Uh, UW looked really explosive and looked in control, and Cal looked pretty lost on offense but very dominant on defense, so it was a real defensive struggle. Um, and then it got away from uh, the Huskies. Do you guys have any thoughts on this game? Um, or, moreover, if you didn't have a chance to watch it in detail, what you think it, its implications are in the Pac-12 North? I was, I was completely shocked. I uh, definitely didn't see this one coming. Um, and when I was keeping track of the score, I, I, I just noticed that California was holding Washington to a lot of field goals. And uh, I was just shocked. I couldn't believe it. Uh, it, was, it. It was a huge win for California. And Washington's going to have to uh, fix a couple of things because they look like the team to beat. So I would agree with that. Uh, we just... Uh, with Washington, I think they settled on too many field goals, like you you brought up there. And then there's, there's a plus two for California on the turnovers. Um, and uh, going back to the Hawaii game with us, we we had six a plus a plus four out of six turnovers, and there's no way we should have lost that game. And I think Cal just played them even statistically. When you look at them, they were pretty pretty close on offensive statistics. Uh, the run game for Cal uh, was much better than I figured Washington would let up. Uh, they gave up a lot of yards to the Cal rushing team. Uh, and so, you know, almost two, almost 200 yards of rushing in that game. So that was the biggest, to me, that was the biggest single surprise is uh, Cal getting 192 yards on the ground against Washington. Um, they, they did what it took to stick close. And that's what you do as an underdog. You want to stay close and, and have the opportunity at the end. And that's what they did. And, uh, you know, an underdog coach, that's exactly what he wants to do. So, yeah. How's that expression go? First, you lose big. Uh, then you lose close, then you win close, and then you win big. And so it looks like Will Cox has got something brewing there. I, I think uh, Chase Garbers was serviceable for Cal. Uh, he didn't have any interceptions, which was important. And to your point, uh, Brown uh, averaged five yards a carry, and Dancy uh, averaged 10 yards per carry. Uh, with uh, Chase Garbers adding another 13 scramble rushes, where he managed to eke out a 3.2 average, but you know still um, you know salvaged some from those pressure situations. So a surprising result. You know UW's largely been able to reload that defensive line at will. Um, I thought they looked good, uh, but unfortunately in the Pac-12, whether it be Stanford or uh, USC or Oregon or UW of late, there always seems to be that game they drop that um, they shouldn't, and it really uh, takes the conference out of any sort of competitive um, national uh, position. And so I, I think this may be emblematic of that sort of ongoing uh, feeding on ourselves type scenario. Um, but a big surprise, big implications in the North, so we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, the second biggest game of the week was when number 23 at the time, Stanford, uh, went to USC, who was given up a point, or which opened as a pick with an over-under 45. Uh, both Javier and I were thinking this was easy pickings with Stanford coming in there, and the under would be another yep. easy one, and USC absolutely lights them up 45-20. to 20. Uh, LG, what would you think about that game? Well, it was uh, it was quite interesting because I think the the surprise for it, I think the, the the difference maker was the quarterback for USC. Uh, he was pretty much I mean he only had five incompletions in that game. They did uh, you know Stanford started off on top, but it, the Slovis was just a 
a big surprise in that picture right there. Um, I think that uh, he brought something new to the table, and that's, to me, what stood out. Um, Stanford is a solid team. I don't think Stanford is as solid as the Stanford of a few years back. Um, I did not have their win total. I do not have them competing for the North championship. I have them, I have them like third. So, um, uh, actually tied for third basically in the North. And so I kind of, uh, wasn't surprised that USC won. I was surprised that USC won in the way they did. Um, especially with their struggles um, in the first week, coming out and really just after that first quarter, really dominating this game against Stanford was really impressive. Um, so maybe USC is a little better off than what I figured they would be as well. But these are two teams that you typically, your synopsis would be they would compete for the Pac North and the Pac South. And I, I don't have either one of these teams winning the North or South. In fact, I have I don't have either one of them in the last week competing for that position. I may be surprised with USC at this point with this new quarterback. What do you think, Javi? Um, I mean, after UFC, USC barely uh, pulled pulled out a win over Fresno State, I wasn't expecting this. And then uh, when I saw that the they were down, I think by ten to start the game, um, I just thought that Stanford was going to win easily. So. It uh, looks like they lucked out because they have a true freshman quarterback, Slovis, and it looks like he might be the better quarterback on, of the uh, of the quarterbacks that they have. So they're they're going to end up being um, tough. I think you guys both hit the the nail on the head there talking about Slovis. He was twenty eight for thirty three with three hundred seventy seven yards, three touchdowns. He only gave up one sack. Is it possible that Clay Helton, despite his clear incompetence, um, and listen? Lynn Swan resigned as AD, so he no longer has Lynn Swan over and protecting him. But this guy may have, out of, out of pure incompetent luck, stumbled across two quarterbacks who are going to save his career in Slovis and uh, previously Sam Darnold. Um, do you guys want to comment on that possibility as it relates to Clay Helton, or do you think this may change his tra- trajectory? Yeah, I, I think uh, just straight up that uh, if it hadn't been for Swan, uh, we would have had a new coach at USC this year. And uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the the USC faithful, they're not uh, they're not real thrilled about Clay Helton. And yet you then you get this quarterback comes in here and does that. Now he's going to have to prove himself over the duration of the season as well. Um, so that's that's going to be a factor we still have to watch and play out but certainly his opening game uh his uh his performance was really good he may end and if he can continue to do that uh, he may very well save the career of clay helton and that i think your your thought and your question is a is a serious one that we're gonna have to see yeah um, i mean thoughts on that no, it, it figures. It figures that USC's backup quarterback is better than their starting quarterback, and they probably have a third-string quarterback that's probably better than most of the quarterbacks in the Pac, Pac-12. So, I mean, it's just uh, that's just the way it is. And so, Trojan fans are probably they're excited. You know, they went from being uh, a dumpster fire to now they they think they have a chance. So we'll have to see if maybe maybe now that there's some uh, some tape on on Slovis. Uh, that, that the teams can look at, that they'll be able to stop him. But he looked uh, really good, really good. So, we'll yeah, see. I, I would uh, point out that I've been arguing that for 
for a lot of my predictions to come together, USC is going to have to have a, a solid season in the South. So I'm going to ho- go ahead and ride that train until uh, till it falls off the tracks. Uh, and last game to wrap up uh, from last week is Oregon State goes to Hawaii. Hawaii's given up six and a half points with an over-under 78.5. Oregon State um, manages to, uh, you know, keep this game really close. In fact, the, they were threatening to win this, but Hawaii finally comes out and pulls off the win by three points. Uh, we were both pretty confident about Hawaii and the over in this game, given the defenses, but it was the under. Um, I felt a little more validation for Arizona with uh, Oregon State going out there and, and more competitive against Hawaii, uh, but we weren't the opener and, and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I felt like it was some validation for the program uh, you know, having another Pac-12 team go out there and and succumb to Hawaii's uh, team. Any uh, thoughts on that game, gentlemen? Yeah, I did. Uh, oh, go ahead. I didn't watch it. I I followed along on uh, uh, the information as it was coming in, and and then I caught a little bit of a broadcast, a radio broadcast on it. But um, at that point, it was 28-28 late in the game. So, uh, you know, uh, Hawaii did what they wanted to do and get a win. And Oregon State stayed close and had a chance and just really, really couldn't couldn't finish the job. Uh, but I don't think anybody here expected Oregon State to be world beaters to start with. And to be honest with you, I thought – as good as Hawaii showed against Arizona, that if they didn't have the turnovers, that they would beat Oregon State. I think everybody was pretty much in line with that. And um, so um, you look at this game and and where their turnovers were against uh, Arizona, they didn't have that against Hawaii. Uh, so uh, that's the difference in the two games. I think if we had been able to fare as well as uh, Oregon State did without uh, I mean, you know, as far if we had taken six touchdowns, six uh, turnovers, I'll get it straight here in a minute. <laughs> if we had taken six turnovers away from Hawaii, we would never have been where we were with a chance to win at the late or tie it up late in the game. Um, Oregon State, if they had had those turnovers, they would have won that game. So I, th- I think there's a big turnaround for a Hawaii growing there. Um, Comparison-wise, they didn't have the turnovers, and that's what allowed them to win. So uh, Oregon State, I just don't think, is on the same level with Arizona. Um, I really don't. Um, our, our mistakes killed us, um, and I think that, uh, you know, Oregon State uh, has still got a long way to go. Yeah, I would point out that part of Marcel Yates' historical defensive impact has been creating turnovers and with the tempo of our offense, we're going to give up a lot of yards and potentially a lot of points. And I've made those arguments in the past. Javi, did you want to make any comments about that Oregon State game before we move on to uh, this week's picks? Uh, yeah, I thought that Oregon State, they came out with the, the game plan to run, which is the right plan. I wish we would have done that. Um, they were able to run the ball, uh, but they have no defense. So I wasn't surprised when JoJo Ward went off and scored like four or five touchdown touchdowns. And then uh, McDonald they put him back in as a starter and then he ended up with like 400 and something yards um, and didn't have very many turnovers. So I think that this game, it was important for um, Arizona fans to see Hawaii beat Oregon state uh, because if Oregon state would have beat Hawaii, it would have been all bad. So it was a big game all the way around just to, I I know all the Arizona fans were definitely keeping track, you know, keeping track of the score and um, it was just huge. So it it said a lot, says a lot about, uh, about, both programs and 
Hawaii, I think they're underrated. They definitely have a high-powered offense. So, yeah, it was, it was good to see. Yeah, I'll oh, go ahead, LG. Yeah, that's right. One, one more thing I wanted to throw in there about it is, is you, you, you hit the nail on the head, Javi. Uh, we, uh, we, we got uh, our rushing game really didn't start off. We, we went into the game with an approach where we threw the first three game plays with passes and resulted in a pick. And we just we really stumbled out the gate. And for a team like we are, we led the Pac-12 in rushing for how long now and we've been a very good rushing team to come out with the focus of trying to pass the ball early was to me a mistake i think oregon state's game plan was let's go out and run that ball and they they made it happen they made it happen and when they made that happen that's what kept them in the game um so i i that's all i think game planning makes a big huge difference uh i know it does as a coach um, and I, that's, that was where a lot of people, including myself, I was really upset with, uh, with Arizona staff the first week of the, uh, game, you know, in Hawaii, we were, we should have gone in with the attack to run that ball. You know, the attack should have been run the ball. That's what our offense should have been based on that. And we weren't there. So, um, it's all in the past. We can't change it. Let's move forward and grow. And I hope that uh, we don't come against Texas Tech with a passive defense, thinking that we're just going to play eight man deep. Uh, I want to see some pressure. We'll see what we learned. I think the Hawaii game was a huge learning block for us. If if we come out and make adjustments now. So let's move on with our delicious uh, twelve pack and jump right into it. Beer, 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 beer. Remember how much I have had. I drank a 12 pack with my dad. That's my son, the drunken, manly stud. I'm proud to be his bud. Here, have some pretzels. No, I'll call it quits. Those things give me the schlitz. <laughs> on September 13th at 6.15 p.m. on ESPN, uh, the now number 20 ranked Washington State Cougars. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me. Are giving up nine points. Uh, opened up at a 10 points uh, given away at Houston with an over-under of 74. The 74 line has not moved. Um, I'm a big Coug believer. Um, I think that they're going to cover in this game. I think doubting them at this point is at your own risk. Um, right now, uh, Bill Connolly is. Uh, I'll pull this up. I'll pull up his projection, but uh, you know, I, I'm unless Bill Connolly swings me any other way, um, I would take Washington State Cougars um, to cover the nine points, and I would take the over. Uh, what say you, LG? This is this is going to be a good game as far as the the scoring goes. I I think that uh, Houston can score on Washington State, but I think you like you said. I think Washington's going to be, I think it's going to be the over, and I think Washington State's going to be able to to do what they want. Uh, Houston doesn't have the NFL draft picks sitting on the front line they had when Arizona played them, and um, that it's a, it's a different team today than it was just two years ago. So I, I think that. Uh, Washington State. I'll agree with you there. It's, I'll take the. I would take the over. I'm not big on the points and and playing the Vegas odds. I look at 
I like to go straight up, and for me, straight up, Washington State wins this game. Well, pick one against the spread, LG, so we can put you down for it, bro. I did. I did. We're you're going take, over. You're, you're, yeah, but not just the over-under. Are you going to take Washington State, or are you going to take the points? Oh, I'm taking I'm taking Washington State. Um, I, I, this, I think Washington State's going to pull away late. I, like I said, I just don't think the defense is going to stop them. I, I think this game, to me, is a uh, – I think what we saw coming into Hawaii, we thought we would score. We thought Hawaii would score. We thought Arizona would score more. And so that's what I see with this one. We're a couple games into the season in many cases now. And I think that uh, Washington State doesn't have them early game early game mistakes that they had uh, that we, we showed against Hawaii. I think they learned a lot against OU. That was a solid game, and even though they lost that one, and I think that they come out and win this game. They take with the points. I think they take it with the points. Uh, same here. I got Washington State. Um, I'll take the over. Uh, I think they're going to be too much for Houston, so I'll go Washington State. All right, I got both you gentlemen down. Yeah, um, Bill Connolly agrees with us. He's got a uh, – Projected margin of 11.3 with a 74% win probability for Washington State, and he's projecting the final score at 46 to 34. Uh, so always, uh, always wise to go with Bill. He's a smart man. Um, next um, on September 14th at 10 a.m. on the Pac-12 networks, uh, the Colorado Buffaloes. Hosting Air Force Academy, uh, the Buffaloes are giving up four and a half points. Uh, the belief in the Buffaloes is gaining. This opened at one and a half uh, with an over-under of 58.5, which is down from 62 and a half. So interesting that um, people are pushing towards Colorado but driving the over-under down. Um, what do you have to say about this game, Javi? Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Colorado probably wouldn't be favored. Uh, so last week just kind of... Definitely changed all the betting lines and everything to this game. So I'm going to go with Colorado. Um, uh, but uh, I think, yeah, I went with the over. Um, but I'm not too confident. Just we'll have, to, we'll have to see how they play against Air Force. Yeah, I mean, you know, Air Force, you never know with those academies and their, and their, triple, or their yeah, triple options, whatever you want to call it. What would you yeah. think, LG? I think I – think- very similar. Uh, I think uh, Nebraska is overrated. I thought they were to start with. So, so it's really good to. Uh, it's it's hard to get a good read on where Washington State's at really right now. Not Washington. Yeah, Colorado at, is. We're Colorado that right. Really hard to get a good read on them. Um, Nebraska come in ranked, yes, but Nebraska probably shouldn't have been ranked. Um, I did not have them ranked. I did not think they were going to have a great season. And so uh, with that, Colorado, they're much better than what we gave them credit for at this point in the year with the two wins. But are they going to sustain it? And Air Force is just one of them, like you said, the option teams. And <laughs> you never know what they're going to show up and do. So they did fare well against Colorado State, but they gave up a lot of points in that one as well. And then giving up the same 31 points to Nebraska. That was probably a little more of a, uh, a surprise. Nebraska was supposed to be able to score, but I don't think Nebraska is that good. So uh, I think the verdict is still out on Colorado. I'm going to take them with the win as far as that goes. 
I think they win this game, but I don't know that it's going to be a big spread. I think this one could come down to the wire like the Nebraska game did. So do you want under? Under. So you're going to take the under there? What? Yes. uh, Do you want to take the points or do you want to take uh, Colorado at four and a half? What's that point spread again? Four and a half. Colorado's given up four and a half. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be close. I really do. I, I, I'm going to go with the under. I'm going to say it's a close game down the wire. I, I say that because of the Air Force's uh, purpose, the way they run, just the, the their mission and how they go out and play. They're going to walk out on that field and, and uh, try to control that tempo, control the ball, and, and – uh, if they can do that successfully, which a lot of teams struggle against, and I think that uh, that's, it's going to be a close game down to the wire. So should I put you down for Air Force and you'll take the four and a half points? I'm going to take Air Force and the points. All righty. Um, Connolly has Colorado projected, but to your point, uh, LG at only three and a half, uh, 3.7 points with a projected win probability of 58%. Uh, so, you know, obviously that's not going to cover the spread in his projection, but he does like the over with a projected score of 43 to 39. So, um, uh, I do we'll too. see how that plays out. I do as well. I think the over on the points, I think it's a close one. We're going to get a lot better picture of where Colorado is after this week. Um, just because of the nature of who they're playing, we'll, we'll get to see what they really have. All righty. Um, let's move on to Stanford. At UCS, uh, at, at UCF, uh, UCF, actu- UCF is actually given up seven and a half points. Um, this opened with a seven point spread. So a little bit of love going towards UCF and the early betting. The total score over under is at 61.5, which has been driven up from 55.5. I think based on the points that Stanford gave up to USC, Stanford is traveling east. Um, what do you think about this game, LG? You know, <laughs> um, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I did not I did not have Stanford competing for the north. I, you know, Central Florida has, has uh, two impressive wins. And they're playing at home. And I think I go with Central Florida. Um, I go with Central Florida. And I go with the points high. I'll, I'll go over. So you're going you're to give up seven and a half for uh, Central Florida. And um, and you're going to hit the over on total points at 61.5. All right. What do you think, Javi? Uh, I think Central Florida is going to take that one. Um, I just don't. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, so I'm going to go with the under. So Bill Connolly has this one with um, Central Florida winning with a, a win margin of 16.2 with an 83% win probability. Uh, so you guys are both barking up the right tree as far as he's concerned. He projected the score at 36 to 20 uh, with the under hitting, as you note, um, Javi. I'm going to take um, UCSF, and it's hard for me to give up on Stanford. I've been a big Shaw believer for a long time now. Uh, But I think you guys have swung me over to that side. And I'm going to go ahead and take the over. Uh, I think if if Stanford's struggling, especially with a backup quarterback, let's not forget they lost their starting left tackle in Little. I really had argued that 
that the loss of Little on Twitter was a bigger loss than the quarterback. But clearly both have a significant impact um, on the team's productivity against USC. And so I'm going to I think the scores are going to go a little higher on Stanford uh, going forward uh, than we would traditionally expect. Um, again, that game's uh, at twelve thirty on ESPN. If I didn't mention it, the Air Force Colorado game is at ten a.m. on Pac-12 networks, um, and the Washington State game on September thirteenth is at six fifteen p.m. on ESPN. Uh, moving forward uh, at twelve thirty p.m. On ABC, now number 24, USC is giving up four points. Uh, The line opened at them giving up four points while traveling to BYU. The total point for the game over under is currently at 56.5. That is up from an opening line of 48.5. What do you think about this game, Javi? Um. Uh, I think uh, BYU is going to take this one. I'm not 100% all in on uh, USC with their with Slovis. Um, and BYU lost to Utah so uh, in the first game of the season. They look, they look pretty good. Um, but I think they're going to win a close one. And I think I'm going with the under. All right, amigo. How about you, LG? Um, I, I understand what he's saying and I, I agree with what he's saying in a lot of ways, but I think, uh, I think USC, uh, if, if they can just maintain what they, uh, any semblance of what they played against with, uh, at Stanford there with Stanford, I think that they actually win this game. And, uh, so I, I'm going to go with USC at this point and I could definitely be wrong because of that freshman quarterback. Um, you BYU's BYU's got, uh, got the win against Tennessee, but we really, wow. Do we, do we know what they have? And, and, um, they look like, the, you know, if you just look at Tennessee and say, Oh, well that was Tennessee and they won. Yes. But, Tennessee's really struggling this year. They're they're in a bad spot. Right yeah, now. maybe ten so years ago, Tennessee that means something, right? Huh. Oh yeah, yeah. Even yeah, ten years ago, if they beat Tennessee, then you get, you're looking at BYU being ranked in the top fifteen, top twenty teams in the country. And I just don't see that this year. And uh, you know, I, I think that USC will pull away from them, uh, providing providing. And, and I'm going to go with them anyway. USC and the over, and the over <laughs> but. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe, but if if that quarterback gets if they can get pressure on him or find a way to to get him to rush and not think um, and not be able to put the ball where he was putting it against Stanford and doing things like that, then I think I think BYU can cover and and actually take this game. But I just don't see it happening. I, I think USC will be all right uh, just to the sheer fact that uh, the sheer fact that they uh, they have too many. Uh, talented players and this is where it comes down to uh why usc's always picked where they are in the pack is they have the best recruiting in the pack overall year in year out the coaches the coaches failures or not being able to put together the game plan on a weekend weekend week out basis or put the right players on the field at the right time um they show up in the big games but i don't i don't think this is a big game I, I just don't see it as a big game. Um, so uh, last week, like you said, the quarterback bailed them out against Stanford. So 
I think they'll be fine. I like it. Welcome to the SC train, LG. Uh, at 1 p.m. on Big Fox, uh, the Scummies um, are going to the ASU uh, Scum Devils. A parent is the one person who is supposed to make their kid think they can do anything. Says they're beautiful even when they're ugly. Thinks they're smart even when they go to Arizona State. Let the rest of the world tear your kid down. Your job is to support him no matter what are going to be at number 18, Michigan State uh, University Spartans. Uh, the Spartans are giving up 14 points. That is an increase uh, from 10.5 on the opening line. So Michigan State's given up two touchdowns on the spread. Uh, the over-under is currently 42, but it started out at 47.5. I got to tell you guys, this fits exactly with uh, how I saw the game going down. With um, ASU struggling on offense, they're going to meet a big defensive juggernaut. They're going to be traveling east. Um, it's going to be an early kickoff for them. They're used to night games this time of year because of the heat in Arizona. And so I think Michigan State uh, carries this. I think they cover the spread. But I think the under hits because it's going to be such a um, poor, lackluster offensive performance by ASU. Uh, Connolly has um, Michigan State winning by 11.6, not covering. I don't think that's going to be an issue with a 75% win probability, a projected score of 29 to 18, uh, with the over hitting at 41.5. So I'm bucking a lot of Connolly there, uh, but I, I have some, uh, that's my spider senses. Uh, what do you think, Javi? I'm totally going to take Michigan State with the over here. Um, I don't think Arizona State's line is going to be able to handle Michigan State's defense, and it could get ugly. So, uh, Michigan State over. I, I'm going to I'm going to follow suit. Michigan State over. Um, I actually would like to see uh, I would like to see ASU do a little better in this game just for the boo, conference stamp. Boo, LG. Boo. <laughs> And I only say that for Come one on. reason. Uh, I think when when you look at uh, when you look at uh, where our conference is right now, we need every non conference win we can get, and and uh, I think that uh, that this could be a game where we could get a little credibility back after Oregon blowing against Auburn, and we just haven't we haven't done that yet. We haven't we we lost against Hawaii. I think that. Uh, the credibility needs to be there. And right now people are already looking at, well, the PAC 12 is just another has been, and they're going to be out of the playoffs counting, counting the pack out. And we still got teams like California. What if California's for real and runs the table? Um, are we not in the playoffs there with an unbeaten cow? And I, nobody expects that to happen. We know it's not going to happen, but if it did, how are you counting a, te- a whole conference out of the playoffs? The season's not even in three weeks yet. And so credibility is the issue, and that that is where we need the credibility. But I, I see ASU not being able to perform in this game. I just don't think they have the line. I don't think that they will be able to score enough points to win. And I do think Michigan State, uh, their type of team is going to wear on you. And if ASU cannot control the ball, and uh, they're going to get tired. Yeah, good point. Uh, just for completeness' sake, on um, the USC uh, BYU game, Connolly has USC winning at a projected margin of six point seven with a sixty-five percent win probability. He's projecting the score of thirty-eight to thirty-two, uh, and he's taking the over in that game. Were you going to say something there, Javi? I apologize if I interrupted you. Oh no, no I, I said I hope ASU lose by fifty. 
Yeah. Listen, that's <laughs> I'm why I'm taking the that's I'm, the under's like a hard hedge for me because you know the more more uh, I'll gladly miss that one if MSU is running the score up on ASU. I got no. Beef. I see what you mean though. I know I'm, what you mean, LG, but I want them. To lose. I'm right there with you. I was just. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, looking at where we're at in the conference and what we need to do to be to develop some credibility in the conference, we we need that win. But at the same time, from a from a Pac-12 standpoint, from a rivalry standpoint, we definitely hey, if Michigan State can win by thirty, all the better, you know. Yep. All right, uh, LG uh, Cal Poly's going up to Oregon State. Uh, a lot of us in the Eliminator pool have this is our is our Oregon. State uh, game to get over with. Um, OSU's given up 17 points with an over-under of 76. How do you see this one playing out? Well, you know, Cal Poly scared somebody a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, they really did. They gave a packed team a scare. I don't see Cal Poly providing much of a uh, Contest with uh, Oregon State. I was in, I was impressed with Oregon State's game plan against Hawaii. I think they're going to run a deliberate run game with con, uh, to control the ball. Uh, they play it safe. They don't put themselves in a position to turn the ball over a lot right now. The type of plays they call, and as long as they're not turning the ball over and things, I think they come come out and uh, they methodically take this game. And I think they score a lot of points. I think it's their chance to showcase. I also think they're not happy about that loss in Hawaii. So I wouldn't want to be Cal Poly. Uh, I think if we won that game in Hawaii, I think uh, they have, might have a letdown and, and not cover on points and stuff like that. But I think they take this game straight up with the over. So you get to give up the 17 points. I got you down for the yeah. over. We're going with the over, and we're, we're going to cover. I, I think this game's not going to be that close in the end. I think it's going to be uh, probably a three-touchdown game myself. Uh, I, I think come late in the game, Oregon State, if they got their run game going, they're going to take this game. I think they're going to score uh, and score a lot. What do you say, Abby? I don't know. I think I changed my mind on this one. I think uh, Cal Poly is – I'm going to take the – what was it seventeen points? Seventeen points if you if you go that way. Yeah, I'm gonna go that way. Um, just Oregon State just has no defense. I know they have a lot of offense, but I don't know. I just uh, Oregon State's the worst team in the in the pack, so I don't have any confidence in, confidence in them. Yeah, and, uh, I, I, over I, under, Javi. Uh, I'm gonna go with the over. Just uh, for just to. For completeness sake, uh, Connolly has Oregon State by 21.4 with a projection uh, win probability 89 uh, with a projected score 55 to 34. So hitting that over. What were you going to say about that, LG? Oh, I, you know, when I first uh, looked at it, looking at Davis, I, I before I got into him and, and looked at him a little closer, uh, I remember they played somebody close a couple of years ago and and uh, Oregon State, like you said, they are the they are the bottom of the Pac-12 as far as that goes. I think they're uh, I think they're not going to beat themselves uh, with turnovers and things like that or penalties. Uh, and I think that uh, against Davis, they're just going to run downhill. And when they run downhill, they'll control the ball. Uh, they won't do that in the Pac-12, obviously. But I don't think Davis is going to be able to stay with them on the field uh, as far as the run game. 
I, I think that it'll wear on them. As long as Oregon State's not turning that wall over, I, I would agree with everything. Uh, the 55, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. A 21-point, whatever that spread was, that's kind of exactly what I was thinking. And uh, At 1.15 p.m. on Pac-12 Networks, Idaho State is taking on the number 11 Utah Utes. Utah is giving up uh, 36.5 points, which is up from 35.5 with an over-under of 64. I think Utah takes this easily. Normally, I'm not a big fan of Utah big spreads and the over, but um, Connolly has Idaho State uh, at Utah with Utah with a 44.3 projected margin with a 99% win probability with a final score of 53.9. So close on that over-under, but I'm going to go ahead and take it. What do you say, LG? I'm going to take the same. I'll go with the over, definitely, and they'll cover the spread. How about you, Javi? Yep. Same thing. I'm going uh, with the over, and um, I'm picking Utah. Love it. It's a sweep. Uh, At 115 on Pac-12 Bay Area, uh, UNT is coming in at the uh, now Cal, the Cal Bears, the Cal Golden Bears. They're giving up 14 points in this game with a minus 13. Over-under is 50.5, which is down from 57.5. You know, I think after Cal's performance in that game, you got to give them full props for that. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and take Cal to cover despite their offensive uh, difficulties. Um, Connolly has uh, Cal projected to win by 12, so close on that spread. with a 76% win probability with a projected score of 41 to 29. Uh, so he's going to go ahead and uh, take the over at that North Texas game. So put me down Cal and over. Same here. I'm going to go Cal over. Uh, uh, look, that too. Yeah, they look good. So Cal over for me. Yeah, it's a pretty atypical uh, line to pick with Cal. Usually I stick stick with the under. Uh, but I think at this point, their defensive dominance really has them rolling, and they're going to be at home against uh, a North Texas that shouldn't be that competitive. Moving on to 430 on Pac-12 Networks, uh, University of Hawaii, uh, the Pac-12 nemesis, is now at number 23, UW. The Huskies are uh, giving up 21 points. That's down from 23 points, a little erosion and confidence there. Over-under is 58.5, which is down from 61.5. What do you think about this game, Javi? Uh, I think the uh, I think Washington's going to be pissed, and they're going to come out, and they're going to stomp on Hawaii. I, I really do. But, uh, yeah, I don't see Hawaii beating three Pac-12 teams. I'm hoping not. And I'm going to go I'm with good. the over. I'm going to go with the over in Washington as well. Washington's going to, yeah. They're, they're, that's not enough points. Hawaii has got some offense. They're going to score, so it's going to be over. Yeah, I like your thinking on the over there. Um, so Connolly has a projector with Washington at 20.9, so real close to that spread with an 89% win probability with a final score of 48, uh, 28, so hitting the over. So I think the over is is easy money in this game. And to Javi's point, I think they're going to come out pissed off at at how they perform in that game and, and not finishing drives. And uh, that'll lead to not only the overhitting, but uh, the spread being covered. Uh, number five, Oklahoma is uh, giving up 23 points. This is up from 17 points at UCLA. 
The over-under is currently 73.5. That's up from 76.5. The, the, the Las Vegas is really driving this hard uh, towards Oklahoma. I do not see UCLA pulling out of its uh, tailspin anywhere in the near future, and I've sort of espoused my lack of confidence uh, in Chip Kelly at this point. Connolly has uh, Oklahoma as a 24.5 uh, projected margin to win with a 92% win probability with a projected score of 49 to 24. And so he's taking the over. I like both of those, and I think it could even get um, more out of hand. And so OU and the over, I think, are easy, easy picks this week. What do you think, Javi? Same thing, Oklahoma with the over. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before the UCLA players probably give up on um, on their coach, and it's easy money. How about you, LG? I think as well. I think there's got to be a lot of shuffling for US, UCLA, and there's got to be a lot of changes before they become uh, competitive at this point. All right. Uh, finally, Montana is at the now number 15-ranked Oregon Ducks. Ducks are giving up 36 and a half points. This is up from 35 and a half with an over under of 64.5, which is slightly up from 64. LG, how do you see this game playing out? I guess the question I'd ask is Oregon still mad from the Auburn loss, but I think uh, Oregon's going to take this game. I don't think it's going to be close. Like you, like you say, the points are up there. I'm going to take the over and I'm actually going to take the, uh, the ducks with the over. I like it, Javi. Same here. Ducks over. Um, uh, Montana's not going to be able to hang with them, and they look really good. Herbert's looking good. I mean, I hate to say, but yeah, I'll take Oregon with the over. Yeah, Connolly has uh, Oregon has a thirty nine point one projected win margin at ninety nine percent win probability, and he's projecting the score at forty six. Uh, to seven, which is going to be not quite on the over there, but I tend to agree with you guys. I think Oregon's going to put on a show, not quite angry, uh, but just enough to, to hit that those higher scores again. So we're going to move on to the marquee matchup for us. Uh, Texas Tech is rolling into town. Uh, Texas Tech um, and Bill Connolly's most rele- most recently released S and P rankings is coming in at uh, number thirty nine nationally. Uh, offensively, they are coming in at 69th in the nation, but on defense, they're coming in at 32nd in the nation, uh, with mm-hmm. a special teams ranking of 14th in the nation. That's important because with their recent uh, coaching hire, um, Texas Tech uh, is bringing in a guy who's known for his offense and not necessarily the L rate offense. Uh, they have played. Um, an FCS team and um, uh, University of Texas El Paso, not exactly the most uh, dominant of competition. However, their their S and P rankings are obviously much higher than uh, Arizona, uh, with our abysmal defensive rating of 120th in the nation. But our offense comes in at seventh. Uh, with a 45th uh, special teams rating. So they're ranked quite a bit higher than us in S&P, but I think we've had um, more robust competition, although the FCS, I think, is probably a wash. Um, currently, Texas Tech's given up two points. That's down from three. Um, the, the over-under on this game is 77, which is up from 71.5. I would interpret that as people are are betting on Arizona driving that Texas Tech line, and they're expecting an offensive explosion on a Texas Tech team that currently 
espousing itself as a rebuilding team with a better than expected defensive performance. I don't think that's going to hold water. I think Arizona's going to come out, and not only am I going to take those two points because I think that's easy, I would easily put money on Arizona win this game on the money line. I do think the over is going to be hit, although I think our defense is angry, as evidenced by the reports in the newspaper of late about how they feel about the criticism of their performance. And and I I do think that they will hold up better against Texas Tech's offense uh, than they had against um, Hawaii's. What do you think, LG? I, I agree with everything you're talking about. The the players are pretty vocal about uh, that on the defensive side. I think Arizona's going to score a lot. I think the defense will be better. I'm still going to go with the I'm going to go with the over on points, and I'm going to take Arizona. Um, I'd take Arizona if they were given points at this point. If they, if it was flipped and they were given the three, uh, I would still take them. So it's an easy pick with them being down two. Yeah, it's easy points in my opinion. How about you, Javi? I'm going to go with Arizona uh, and and take the points. Uh, I think this is a pretty even matchup, um, but we're definitely in danger of going one and two here. So hopefully uh, the coaches have a good game plan, uh, some better play calling, and and like you like you guys said, the defense they need to step up and show some pride. So um, I'm hoping that that's going to be uh, the difference in the game um, because if you've watched Texas Tech's games, um, they played. Uh, some teams that aren't aren't very good, but their defense looked really good. They, they look really good. I was like, uh, I was kind of shocked uh, how well they played. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game. But I'm definitely going to Arizona, and I'm gonna take the points. And how about over under, amigo? Uh, I'm gonna go over. I think it's gonna be a shootout. All right, gentlemen. I, well, I want to. Um, uh, wrap up real quick. Uh, we're going to get you in a rolling uh, average picks here, um, LG, going forward from this week. But as currently constructed, uh, I'm running 13 for 20 against the spread with an over-under at uh, 15 of 20. Uh, Gabe's wasn't making picks last week. Hopefully we'll get his picks in this week before the games kick off. But he's uh, 8 for 12 on ATS and uh, 5 for 12 on over-unders. Hobbies at 11 for 20 ATS and 10 for 20 OU. So um, with the exception of Gabe on the over-under, we're all above 500 on our picks. I think that's a great reflection of um, how well we're doing with these things. It's not easy to be even 500 on those. And if you're hitting uh, 600, you're, you're doing pretty well on that. Javi, okay. hit us up with the eliminator pool before we head out. All right, I just want to give an update on the Eliminator Pool. Um, it looks like we have uh, the Arizona Podcast, Jumpin' Johnny, Little George, myself, Kansas City Cats, Chris Zona, Zoe Scouts, AR Expert, Prime, um, and I think that's, that's, that's what's left as far as uh, who hasn't been eliminated. So it looks like this is uh, it's going to come down to probably, maybe it's only going to last like four or five more weeks if you ask me, but it's definitely uh, something fun that, that we've added. So I appreciate everybody playing. Yeah, I know it's been great. And we'll be sure to get the prizes out to the, to the winners. Uh, even if, uh, you know, you know, myself or you're, you're, you're in there too, right? Javi. Yeah. Yeah. Even if the two of us, you know, are, you know, above the top three, we'll still um, dole out the awards for the next three uh, people. And, um, um, 
you know, I encourage everybody to head over to Players Program U. There's stuff like this all the time. There's curb posts. There's, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff on there um, that's going on. LG's there uh, throwing out knowledge for people. And, um, you know, it's just a great community website. There's, you know, it's free. You can get on there. You can talk with other fans. And, and you don't have to pay one of these paywall uh, scouting sites that, you know, really can't give you any sort of advanced information because they got to protect their sources and they're basically paying you to have access to a, a, a social network there. And, and on hobby site, you get that for free. Exactly. Free premium, free premium. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's a great way to think of it. So LG, yeah. I thought you uh, handled yourself with great aplomb on the podcast and uh, looking forward to doing uh, more of these with you uh, coming next week. Sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah, that was awesome. And LG was really good. Really good. All right, gentlemen, bear down. All right, bear down. Bear down.